Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield and welcome to the Mizog Art Podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 41 of the Mizogart podcast. This week I'm speaking to Lauren Baker, probably best known for her neon designs, one of which being the text piece, Everything is Going to Be Fucking Amazing. I met up with Lauren at her Hackney Wick Studios, Hackney Wick being where Lauren and Gavin Turk are joining together to promote Hackney Wicked, an event designed to bring together the artists of Hackney Wick. Lauren is a very spiritual and mindful person, and even her entering the art world was via an epiphany in South America. Her reputation as an artist is growing at quite some speed, and by the time this podcast is released, Lauren would have just completed her Letter to Mother Earth installation which is part of the Commune Unity at the Tate Exchange, which I'm pretty sure is the second event that the Tate has asked her to put on. But come with me and learn more about that project from the artist herself, Miss Lauren Baker. Well, I've got the same seven questions that I ask every artist each week. So there's a running narrative through the the podcast. Okay. I'll start by saying that I'm in the studio of Lauren Baker. Mm-hmm. Hiya, Lauren. Hey. Um, the first of them seven questions I was just talking about. How do you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Mm-hmm. So I'm a multidisciplinary artist, which means I use a plethora of different materials and surfaces to create my art. I'm primarily known for my light art. Mm. And, yeah, I just... I The kind of themes that I explore are... Um, positivity and love and I also um, I'm really into like science mm. and um, the big bang and the intriguing beauty born from chaos and destruction nice, 
Um, so, and then I, I sometimes go off on tangents and weird <laughs> themes like portal, yeah, portals to other dimensions mm. and so on. So, wow. but yeah, I get inspired by lots of different things and, um, and then, yeah, I just enjoy like, you know, creating yeah. whatever I'm feeling and whatever's on my mind and, and I express the, my thoughts and feelings like through my artwork. So it can change a yeah, lot. Yeah. Because you have got, I mean, we're sitting in, is this your work behind you? Everything in here is mine, yeah. There's a lot of different mm. materials used. Mm-hmm. Um, the crystals. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I grow the complete the, Allen oh, crystals okay. and sometimes I'm using the diamond dust quite a lot. I'm crazy about diamond dust. Nice. Have, yeah. you, have you got into that? Yeah, big time. <laughs> there's, good, there's a lot of good stuff coming from that. The yeah. neon work. Mm. How long have you been doing the neon work? Um, I've been an artist for eight years now, and I did the first neon probably like seven years in. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what, what brought you to that? What mm. made you want to use that? Like, I'm interested in, like, unseen energy and interpreting that energy, and neon has this glow, and you can just feel the yeah, energy. Yeah, definitely. So you just get this little buzz when you, when you turn it on, because yeah. it's, it's not the glass and the light itself it's the glow that's mm. this magical like otherworldly kind of energy so that's what I'm kind of magnetized by wow what was mm. your first um works that you started producing when you first became an artist mm. it was the my first collection was called the enchanted afterlife and it was a collection of human and animal skulls oh wow yeah and um I remember that I'd been doing these skulls because I was processing like my nana passing away and I wanted to to like really come to terms with death on a really like positive level and like go deeper and try and understand it and like investigate is there an afterlife and really like think about it so I was kind of researching into this topic and and I really liked the Mexican day of the dead and how they like celebrated life and, and death and yeah, and so then I was inspired by that and I started like beautifying these human and animal skulls and I was doing that for probably like about eight months or so and um, and the t- modern had Damien Hurst on it at the time um, a retrospective and they came to my exhibition I just put on my first show after about six months of being an artist um, and then they came and they, they, they found this connection between I was doing this skull and Damien Hurst had his... Um, his for the love of God yeah, skull, and so yeah. they then they they invited me to do uh, an installation. Like yeah, so then I had wow. my second, and, and then I persuaded them to that I could do an exhibition, um, a workshop, an installation, video art, and all this kind of crazy stuff. So it ended up being this massive event. It was really cool. So that was my second well, if you, if you're exhibition. In a situation like that, you've got to take advantage of it as yeah as much as you can. Right? Yeah, just like I was so ready, full of passion and ideas, as I still am, but. Um, but then, and also at the, at the same time, it was like Alexander McQueen had that skull yeah. scarf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like really big in oh, fashion. Man. And I'd already been doing skulls for like a while. So then Vogue called me the queen of skulls. <laughs> so that kind of stuck. But I've um, I've been making, yeah, I've just been. And then, you know, like after like a year or two years, I was like, okay, what's next? Yeah. And, you know, and then, and then I started to look at, I started to think about what how I first got into art and um that's a whole story in itself but basically I that that's at that point I went back and and thought about my roots as an artist and I 
Um, and then I did this whole collection called Transition, which was, it's all about mosaics. And, and I used everyday but potentially dangerous materials in that collection. Um, so I used like needles, pins, toothpicks, um, thorns, like hand cut rose thorns, nails, glass. Um, and then I presented all these tiny, tiny mosaic materials um, in this in these kind of like fluid patterns. Um, and it was about, you know, the, the memories and experiences of life were represented in every single piece. But whether it was painful or pleasurable, it was about accepting the flow of all of it. Yeah, yeah. So um, and then and then there was other, you know, new creations, different ideas, like whole different. Mm. I'll, I'll often just come out with like a whole new thing that's like completely you, different. Is that how you work? Do you work in sort of segments or does one one project flow into the next? Mostly kind of like really inspired by something and then yeah. I'll go off on a crazy like tangent for like a couple of years yeah. and then I, and then after and then I, when I've when I feel like I've it's you know I've I've like really exhausted it and like really like explored everything I want to explore and I've said what's in my heart yeah. then I'll start looking at other stuff but sometimes like but then obviously you know, like some things will be super popular and people will request yeah, commissions yeah. and I'll end up doing other series of works when I'm mostly focusing on one. So, but I mean, like I'm obviously connected to all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the point you're at now, are you doing more commissions or more your own work? Oh, that's a good one. Um, recently, I've been doing more commissions, actually. Nice. Like big commissions. Um like yeah the last few months I've been f fully booked with um massive commissions so that's been exciting um and then now I need to like have a little schedule in my calendar so that I can make my yeah. little stuff that's I mean, in my to, mind to be at a point like that in your career and mm. then as you as you mentioned just before we started this podcast that your your the, the, the lease on your studio is coming to an end it's got to be a bit of a predicament to to be in to yeah. um, to have all this work coming in and yeah but I'm such a manifester yeah so I'm just like you know I, I've this has happened to me many times before so I'm you know like as an artist you need to be like flexible and you need to be just open to mm. change and it's constantly changing Adapt and evolving yeah yeah and so I'm just you know yet again I'm going to be on the move <laughs> and as I have been many times many, many times you know and so what I'm, I'm envisaging I always try and envision something bit bigger and better yeah you know it might not always work out like that yeah, but no, that's what know, that's what my it's best to walk in with it, generally, it generally yeah. does actually so yeah when was your first interest in art and do you know your mm. most influential artist was at that point wish I'd had these questions before. <laughs> um, when I was like five, I know that my favourite thing to do was collect shiny treasure. Mm. And that's like very fitting to it, what yeah. I do now, yeah. Well, everything you've got mainly is mm. sparkly or it's quite, glowing, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's like it's got this like light to it or this sparkle, energy, yeah. this energy, yeah, very much so. 
um so and then and so but I didn't connect that with art obviously no. at age five um no, but you had it showed that you had a creative mind didn't it yeah I know I got an A for GCSE art and it wasn't because I was good at drawing it was because I had wild ideas mm. and I was bringing in all these mad materials that you know nobody else had found yeah. and I was just putting together like and my vision was very big it was like I was having to come in on like every, you know, every break time, work in the evenings on my art wow. project. And I just had this big vision that of, of doing this really um, elaborate thing for my for my GCSE art. So, and that's why I got an A. You know, it wasn't yeah. because I was like the best drawer in the class. I definitely wasn't. But I just had these wild ideas. So, um, and then I didn't pick up art until I was 28. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I had like belief systems that you know you had to be rich or privileged or gifted to be yeah, an artist. That was exactly my, my yeah. train of thought. Yeah, I'm from one of the worst council estates in um, Middlesbrough, which got voted the worst place to live in 2007. <laughs> and um, it just wasn't in my field. Art wasn't available. Yeah. It didn't seem like it was available to me. Um, and so it took all the way till I was 28 to mm. read a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And as soon as I read the last page of that book, that's when I quit my job, went to South America, Shit. joined a street art project, um, just by chance. Why, what made you? What What made you do that? That drastic move to to mm. go to South America. It was like, well, I did I did my degree in um, business with psychology and sociology combined, and then I did seven years in the corporate world, um, and then uh, I just kind of felt like, what What's what's the meaning of life it's definitely mm. not this you was know you getting, was i was in it felt like i was in a rat race and i was like you know it, it just didn't feel like i was living my true potential yeah. and i didn't feel like i started to question everything um so then i knew that i had to just stop and um change my change all the patterns and habits and just be in a new environment and just think with different in With a, diff- a whole, in a whole new culture as well. Yeah, because I just chose South America because I hadn't been there before and yeah. I couldn't speak any of the languages and I thought that would be a new challenge. It's constantly starting from scratch, isn't it? Yeah, I was oh, there for like I was there for like a few months for about three months. I was there, and so it was after stumbling upon that street art project and making this mosaic art for the first time, and it was just very um, beautiful and simple in that we we had this mission to make people smile when they walked past in the mm. street and you know we were just every day making this art just for the pure simplicity of it all it was beautiful and then and that was like you know the happiest I'd been in years making this art just like lost in the art it was beautiful. is that when you decided that you wanted to be an artist no because I still there. didn't know because I still had all these belief systems around what what you had to be to be an artist yeah. and I didn't think that was available to me so I just thought oh I had a really nice experience there and now I'll get on with the rest of my trip and I yeah. you know I did organic farming in Bolivia and I partied a bit in Argentina and then by the time I got to Peru I'd started like meditating a lot and that was it when sounded like it sounds mm. as you're talking. You're trying all these different, just, these yeah, different fields, just like, trying to see if any of them sort of connect with you. That's yeah. what it feels like as a as a yeah. listener to what you're saying. Yeah, I'm like just literally open and exploring. It sounds like you were sort of lost. Mm, sort of I'd say wandering. I was I, in a way. I'd say I was lost when I was doing all my yeah. 
um, my stuff that you expect. Mm. So, you know, I'll do my degree, I'll get a really good job that's well paid, and I'll do da, da, da. And then I'll like be like, hmm, is this really the meaning of life? Yeah. And then when I opened up and went to South America, I'd say I was like just open to a whole new higher consciousness. So, um, in a way, I was just, yeah, I was finding the secrets. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah so it was, it was, um, it was amazing, actually. It's it, it, it a whole set of different beliefs and consciousness in that part of the world as well, isn't it? And superstitions and... Yeah, so what, what, by the time I got to Peru and I was um, started meditating a lot and then I did a seven-day fast and I was deep in the Peruvian Amazon and I met some shamans and took part in ceremonies and this is the point that I had the epiphany that I was an artist because I was like deep deep in the Amazon with like the sound of nature was deafening it was like it was yeah. just fully immersed you know I hadn't looked at my phone for a long time and was walking barefoot and then like it was like the you know the belief systems and all the bullshit kind of yeah. all the yeah. mist of life just all cleared and that's when I saw my true soul path and knew that I was an artist even though I hadn't really made anything yeah yeah so and then I came back and researched where, like, I, my only experience was, like, a few weeks of um, making mosaics in the streets. Very rough, like, smashing yeah. things up with a hammer, whacking them on the street. Um, and then so I researched, you know, where's the best place to study mosaics, and it was Venice. So I, yeah. You can't do I things by No, I, I spent all my money as well in South America, so... I had to um, had just enough money to pay for this course, and then I, I went on um, sofasurfing.com and I just crashed in someone's uh, sofa to like do this course, and then came back and just announced that I was an artist with real like passion, belief, determination. Yeah. How were your parents with that? Or was they aware? Yeah, of, they were cool. Was yeah. that was they aware of, of your journey at that point? Yeah, actually, my dad um, around I think like the year. A similar time, although it wasn't connected, um, really. But um, he'd finished; reti- he'd retired, and um, at sixty-four, he actually went and did an art and design foundation. Oh, good man! Yeah, so that was really cool. And my brother did as well. He was twenty. Oh, how old? My brother must have been around thirty, and he he'd already done a degree in global studies and then he actually did an art design foundation but strangely I was thinking about doing it but I was already kind of making art and I and and I was actually looking for a mosaic course at the time and I ended up really strangely I haven't told anyone this I did a I did a one-year diploma in tiling oh yeah it's so bizarre (laughs) because I couldn't find a mosaic course um Oh no, I did the mosaic course, but then I wanted to do a really intense course. I did that one week intensive in in Venice, but then I wanted to do really intense like one. So I ended up doing tiling, which like wasn't helpful, but I just did it anyway. (laughs) So I never used it. But anyway, even so, random. (laughs) And and you couldn't have found anything over over here with the mosaic. I didn't. I don't know. At the time, I didn't. And for some reason, I just did that. But I just did it part time, and it was like a free course. I don't know. And then, um, and then I just focused on making my art. Yeah. So I was just making my art full time anyway. So yeah. Is there a piece that you've created that you hold most dear? Hmm. Hmm. 
I mean, my best piece is the crystal beating heart sculpture. Yeah. And that took two and a half years to develop because um, it's got really complex animatronics in it and the sound is connected. This, we recorded the sound of a human heartbeat and the sound is connected with the movement and it's motion censored and it's got 10,000 black Swarovski crystals on it. It's a very special, like, very kind of like beautifully disturbing piece <laughs> and it, it just beats. Um, that's one of my, that's my favourite piece. And is it a one-off? Um, it's not actually, it's an edition of three, but I've only made one so far. And then right now I'm making the second one with more advanced technology. Yeah. I had um, quite a few people try and buy it, but until I replicated my second one and improved it, I, I couldn't sell my first one. So, but yeah. would that still be part of an addition? Would that still be an addition? If it's going to look different? exactly the same, but inside the animatronics will be slightly different. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to look exactly And, I, and exactly are you going to wait a, a time yeah. as well to do the third? So there might be improvements in technology then, or you just replicate now, the second. Yeah, no. Now it's like I've now. Well, I made that in two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. So now um, there's a new, new bit of new technology to add. But yeah, yeah like I think it's pretty, like top of the range now. Like now, <laughs> what I'm doing right now is like epic. So. Well, the piece yeah. that comes up, if you was to Google your name. Is your neon? Everything is going to be fucking awesome. Amazing. Oh, sorry. That's amazing. all right. <laughs> um, and that just went a bit potty, didn't it? It did go mad, actually. Yeah, yeah. There's so much press around it, and even recently, it was just in um, L Decoration, just like a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. And what do you what do you think it is that that appealed? Because you obviously struck a chord with a lot of people with, with their artwork. Mm. It's my life life mantra. It's all about like positivity and yeah. hope and um, and it's fun, you know. And I I did this. I actually can't remember what year I did it, but I've, it was a while, It was years ago. And now every, everyone's there's loads of art, isn't there? That says fucking in, in yeah. the title. Yeah. Um, but at the time there wasn't. And nobody had said that in neon or in, in artwork, you know. People might have said it in. Yeah, I'm in sure person. it was around. It maybe it wasn't so popular. Yeah, the, but, um, but people. But now, now, you know, that's the cool thing, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone's doing it. But um, but yeah, yeah it's like quite the, an impressive piece. Do you do you blow it yourself or? I, I I do you know what I went to learn um about well seven years ago I went and learned just outside of London um how to bend and blow the glass. Um, and it takes years to be super amazing at yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll do like the start of things and especially the circles. But then when it comes to like doing the, the writing of the neons, like I'm so busy and I'm selling the neons in like LA as well. So I've got a factory that I work with in London and one in LA. So nice. I've got a team of people. Excellent. And I'm, I like using expert people who are like and the best course, in yeah. their game at everything. So, you know, like the, I'll use the best animatronics legend. I'll use the best neon um, benders. So, and if you're, if you're yeah. able to, then, then why not? Yeah. You know? The, you, you say you get them made up in LA, for instance. Yeah. Do you have, like we're looking at one at the moment that is, what, maybe seven feet square, six feet square? You know what? This piece here, it's called Universal Frequency. This is 1.8 by 1.8 meters. 
and this is a size that fits through a London door. <laughs> if you go two metres, it doesn't fit yeah. through a London door. And I made it two metres and then I had to dismantle it and put it back up in a client's house, which is really stressful. So this is this is the size. Like, as you walk around the studio, you see there's loads of pieces that are like, you know, 1.8 by 1.8. It's as big as I can go right now in London. When you go to LA and, and Miami, this is like small. <laughs> their, their doors yeah. are massive. Yeah. But this is... This and if is, you go to Japan, it London. might even come yeah. smaller. Yeah, this is the big London size. Yeah. So it is a 1.8 by 1.8... Canvas. Black canvas. Basically... It is diamond dust in a, the centre. It's um, a museum-grade fine art canvas with, um, with digitally... Um, enhanced my my painting of the the chakra the heart chakra and then it's got the neon ring which usually glows slowly on and off and I invite people to kind of like breathe in time with the glow and then in the center circle it's got the diamond dust which kind of like feels like it kind of sparkles and comes to life nice. as the neon glows on and off would you be able to you say you've got people making in LA would they be able Not to replicate this, this in LA? No, because... Uh, Does it need your hand? Yeah, yeah, like the, this would be made here and, and sent. Yeah. And then if, because I've, you know, I've sent things when I have sales in other countries. Um, if you use a really good, like, professional art shipper, then the neon won't break. But if the client is trying to um, get get a cheap deal on Hermes if they're getting yeah, if, they're getting it, if they're doing their own posting and they're trying to get it cheap then you know a neon can break in delivery yeah. and so I had that happen when I left the client to sort out their own packaging yeah. and then you know and so then I'd need to have it repaired in another country yeah, and have the neon repaired so then that means I've got really good contacts now around the world mm. for like neon factories yeah, so good, good. That, that are like you know really good quality because there's like there's a very different level of quality between like a kebab shop sign and a, yeah, a oh, neon course, that yeah. would go in a museum yeah I've got a friend Colton who um, has been blowing neon for 30 mm. odd years and um, when I was in his workshop he said do you want to go and of course I wanted to go and he sort of showed me how to do it over the flame and it when he you get a bit hot to me, and sweaty, don't yeah, but you? It, it sounds <laughs> like it should be easy. You're just blowing in a bit of glass and bending yeah. it. That is the bare bones of it, yeah. and it is so not that easy. Parts it's a bit of like so not parts of it are really easy and fun, and then there's some there is some tricky bits when you, especially with the neon text, when you're doing like the back bends and yeah. making all the letters flow exactly to my handwriting. Um, it is a real skill. Yeah. Relax. Where do you go to relax? Ooh. Um, so I do Kundalini yoga I try yoga in Camden and I love that it's a really powerful dynamic yoga with like breathing and I go to Shoreditch House quite a lot I use the steam room Nice. Um, I usually go there quite late at night the last person in the steam and um, what else do I do to relax um, I go to like because I'm a I'm a big fan of Hackney Wick, which is where my studio is right now. And I go to this really cool place called Stour Space, 
and it's just our like local like vegan cafe but it's right on the canal and I just love being near water so just like watching the ripples of water and just like what you're on the canal but you're on this kind of like floating deck so you're actually like moving a little bit and I just find that like lush well we said about moving studios Mm. where would your perfect studio be your ideal studio if you could pick anywhere any environment I love Hackney Work, you know, <laughs> I really do love it because I just, I love Hackney Work because I love being by the canals and I love that, like, you can feel the energy of all the artists here, like all the, you know, walls are covered in graffiti, but it's like really bright and cool, yeah, and f- yeah. like very artistic graffiti, it's like the best graffiti yeah. in London is here, you know, it's not like boring tags that are black and white it's yeah. like really vibrant cool stuff it's so everywhere in the it's entire amazing. building isn't it, it just feel you feel like you know it's somewhere really cool energy but and then there's a good vibe here um yeah the, the artists there's definitely an artist community so it's getting fractured though isn't it it is unfortunately i just went past gavin's turk's old studio yeah and that's now a big block of flats in the making isn't it yeah so we're like both um patrons for the Hackney Wick Festival mm. and um, we're both going to be exhibiting on Friday uh, the 26th I think it is um, and at the, at the we're taking over a big space in uh, Fish Island Fish Island Village and um, and, and it's what, just you and Gavin no, and, then, and, then it, and then all the Hackney Wick resident artists nice. well ab- about 30 of us I think in this group show on Excellent. Friday and then on Saturday and Sunday I'm opening my studio to the public yeah good which I've not done before in this space so I'm going to do yeah I'll have a little party <laughs> oh you've got a lot going on that day right I've got a lot going on because I'm also doing an exhibition um, an installation at the Tate Modern in the Tate Exchange right, building that's in the morning isn't it yeah from 12 till 6 this Saturday <clears throat> so that's um, Commune Unity it's like a festival and they're like bringing people together to kind of like think of like new ideas to move forward yeah. in a society yeah. that are quite like utopian and um, yeah, I love it. There is, is it a, just a one-off, a one-day? It's day? a one-off, yeah. And nice. I'm doing an installation called um, Letter to Mother Earth where I've um, been investigating like the, the sound frequencies coming from plants. Wow. Yeah, and then thinking about if we were to communicate with... Cause basically like I received a lot of wisdom when I was in the Peruvian Amazon from plants um, taking part in ceremonies in um, in the Amazon and now I'm kind of like thinking about well you know quite dark and sad things going on in the world but I love to focus on the positivity so then when I think about that I was thinking well what can we do and what can we do as a collective and to get people together gather inspire people and feel like we're doing something good and it just makes so much sense to plant trees like in so many different ways yeah so i've got this personal mission to plant 8800 that was my next question oh okay i'm jumping ahead um my personal mission to plant 8888 trees in the peruvian amazon and then at the tip modern this saturday i'm going to do an installation called letter to mother earth and inspired by the sound frequencies that come off plants which is like up to 24 hertz um, I'm thinking about frequencies and then I've written a personal open letter of an apology from the human race to nature <laughs> about the last hundred years of yeah. destruction and 
um, the loss of species and everything that we've done to the planet. And that's going to be like a, um, a visual artwork of this, this open letter written, my, my words, but translated into sound frequencies and then presented in like a gold leaf nice. letter to Mother Nature. And then I'm inviting participants yeah. to come in and um, use, like I've got a microphone and a setup where we can decode their, their voice into yeah. the sound waves and they can do their personal letters as well. And then I've created this like these test tubes, glass test tubes that have got this, these seeds in them. And then we've hand blown the glass so that it's got roots. These these and then inside the glass tubes is like they're the seeds of change. Nice. So and then I'm and then I'm going to be giving away seeds on the day to the public and, and trying to inspire as many people as possible to plant trees locally. So. Yeah, I'm really into my charity project. Good. Mm. I did see that you was, you've got a mission to plant a tree for every artwork sold. Mm. I think that's a beautiful idea. Mm, thank you. I'm trying to inspire as many artists as possible to do that. I, I basically was doing my um, my VAT quarter. <laughs> and I, I looked at how, what I was spending beautiful. my money on and I was like, oh my God, I spent that much on printing. Like... It was yeah. like thousands and thousands. And I was like, okay, how many trees did I... Never mind what's the cost to me. How many trees did yeah. I chop down? So then I started thinking, okay, well, I don't want to be using Earth's resources. I want to be giving back like a thousand percent or a million percent back. So yeah. that's my mission now. And, I, and now I've, I've also like been... Um, I did a bit of an audit on my whole business about sustainability. So we used to use like plastic wallets and... We were um, we were just using the best quality paper, museum grade paper, and it, we we were always looking for the blackest black of my work. Um, it's usually my work's known for like you know there's this it's usually in the dark and then the light is shining the vivid colours and light is shining through in the middle. But we like the blackest black. But now I've changed my ethos and we're actually looking for the best recycled paper. And you know we just there's lots of things we've um we've we've evolved just recently in the last like 6 it, months. It's got to really... be good to be in a position in your career where you're able to do that because yeah. there could be a lot of artists mm. who aren't doing as well in their career mm. who've got that same mindset but it's just not financially viable for yeah. them. So That's it must true. be it must be great to be able to make that change in your own in your own career. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a really good thing to do. Yeah, and it's it's very possible for everybody it's not um you know if you really care like it's not that that much more expensive mm. you know all these little changes it just it's a it's a little bit more time consuming yeah. to start think to to do all that research but it's so worth it because you know the long-term impacts and just the yeah it's just such a good feeling isn't it to very like, much so have you and basically with the the uh, my idea about like planting a tree for each artwork um that's like a kind of a standard but then what I do is when I take a flight I'll plant a lot more trees based on how how oh, it's what, what footprint I think about, you're taking yeah, up I think yeah. about my footprint my carbon footprint and then when I do when there's like earth day I'll plant like a lot more trees on that day and then but I'm just trying to like I'm, I'm doing that in a way to um inspire it as many other people as possible to do it because it's Where so are you easy. Planting these trees? I, I'm actually choosing um, the Peruvian Amazon, but you can choose the country that you want to plant them in. So I'm um, an advocate of one tree planted. Um, so yeah, check them out. And I used to work for the National Council for Voluntary Organisations when I had a corporate kind of 
job but that and I had a corporate job for like five years and then I moved into the charity sector for two years um, and they basically are an organization an umbrella organization that support and represent charities in the UK so I have a lot of experience working with charities mm. um, and knowing what an efficient charity is and how to check if they're good and yeah. if they're doing what they say they're doing and stuff so like I'm really like I'm quite heavily involved with like um, three charities at the moment there's like Save Wild Tigers charity I've been an ambassador with them for five years um, I've just started working with One Tree Planted at the start of this year and, uh, and I'm doing a lot for Help um, Refugees yeah, the Choose uh, yeah, Love campaign that. so I'm going to be releasing a neon for them um, the Choose Love Help Refugee campaign with Prinka Blinden uh, next week Nice. along with all that other stuff but yeah so and, and if you weren't busy enough already yeah and they're three charities um that i'm like really passionate about that i know are doing really good things and yeah. i've looked at their books they're making a good and i know how they're spending their money and i really believe in their, their efficiency and their their ways of um of giving back and mm. you know i've actually like researched them and i'm really really confident that they're doing like an epic things good. so i want to fully support them Excellent, yeah. good work. It's always good to be helping other people. Yeah. If there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Um, okay, well, my favourite artist is Anish Kapoor, for sure. Um... That's a big question. <laughs> um, I like I like Yoko Ono because she she's like really into peace, and I think like you know you the the intention behind your art. Mm. It's not just a, like I, I like Anish Kapoor because of his like amazing scale, huge, like otherworldly, like epic pieces, and then um, and then Yoko Ono for like her. You know her intention of peace, world peace, is really beautiful. Gosh. Um, mm. I mean, Gavin, who you're with on Saturday, yeah, but he's got a brilliant really outlook yeah. for the environment and what's on what's mm. going on, hasn't he? Yeah, he's really cool. I I saw his solo show at the um, Newport Street Gallery. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? And it was so good. My my favorite piece was the his um his black just rubbish bins that were made out of like bronze yeah (laughs) so he's one of my go-to artists yeah when i'm a bit sort of dry on ideas or i need a you know a bit of a a pull in my heart i liked his urine on copper pieces actually i think they were my favorite from him good stuff that was amazing and then i've thought of another one um roger horns is is like one of my absolute favorite artists as well he did the crystal house yeah he grew all that he that beautiful mad blue crystals in that council flat um a few years back um it doesn't have to be five okay cool i mean as soon as we finish i'll think of like ten of course if you wasn't an artist what would you like to be Mm. well i'm actually um do you know what i've always been interested in like um in life coaching and I, I've done a few courses in it already because it's good because I coach myself and I coach my team and people are always asking me for advice and 
No, and then I'm actually doing a accredited course at the moment, um, so I'll graduate in August um, because I do, I often do like art talks about unleashing your creativity and how to thrive in the art world because as a self-taught artist I've just made stuff happen on my own mm. and I've got like eight years of experience of very intensely like working you know and making things happen in the art world so um so I think like creativity coaching and you yeah. think positivity was a, a big um drive throughout your journey definitely yeah and gratitude positivity gratitude um yeah and just belief um yeah I mean I've already asked um you've already told us about the a few things you've got coming up have you got any shows coming up um I've just at the moment I'm just totally obsessed with uh, this exhibition this installation I'm doing at the Tate Modern and rightly so yeah it's a yeah. big old deal eh? yeah yeah and then I do have um some um exhibitions booked in at the end of the year but I'm not releasing them that's, yet that's quite so, that's fair yeah, enough yeah um where can people find you? Website and social media? Yeah, so it's laurenbakerart.com and my Instagram is at laurenbakerart. Beautiful. Well, Lauren, thank you for your time. That's all my questions asked. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers. There we go. Lauren Baker, giving a little more spiritual approach to artwork than we're used to. As I said at the start, Lauren's reputation is growing from strength to strength as is the output of her work. I mean, just go over to her Instagram page and have a look at yourself, at Lauren Baker Art. So I'm going to leave it there this week, short and sweet, but just remember, everything is going to be fucking amazing. And as I say every week, on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast, you should be able to like, subscribe and leave a comment. If you could do one or all three of those, that would be amazing. It helps us as a podcast and anyone looking for an art podcast. So again, thanks for listening and until next week, ta-da.